this morning I want to look at the wise man, which we've just been singing about, and their, their visit to Jesus. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jews with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, For thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frank and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Amen. You may be seated. Well, that's a great passage, a great story. And they were wise men. They were wise men because they were wise men because they sought Jesus. And we'll be wise men and women when we seek the Lord and continue to seek after the Lord. And that was an amazing prophecy, an amazing prophecy. And it says in verse, verse 5, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, where was Christ going to be born? And they knew. And they said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And the prophet that they're talking about there was the prophet Micah. And Micah was written, I mean, just imagine that. Micah was written over seven, he lived, Micah lived about 700 years before Jesus was born. And he prophesied while he was alive that. Jesus, the Savior, the King of the Jews, he was going to come to this earth. And he prophesied where he was going to be born. And it wasn't a big city. It was in the small town of Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is just about five miles south of Jerusalem. And that was the place, 700 years before it happened. And, you know, it, it came to pass. I mean, only the Bible, 
You know, the Bible is the only book that's ever been written that can, you know, predict the future. And it has predicted the future over and over and over and over again. And it has been fulfilled. It has come to pass. And we just thank God. We thank God. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And the, 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 the verse is Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And the exact town in Israel where Jesus was born. And so the Jews, you know, they'd, they'd studied the, the Old Testament. Uh, they were aware of the birthplace, birthplace of Jesus. And yet, even having the knowledge of that, that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem, yet tragically, you know, the Jews missed their Messiah when he came, did not recognize him. Bethlehem, just a little town south of Jerusalem. It's, it's about 2,460 feet above sea level. And it's often called the city of David. The city of David. That is where King David is from, the, where, he is, where, where he was born. And of course, the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ, was born in that city of Bethlehem. And in verse 6 we read, And thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So it's speaking not only of a saviour being born, but it speaks of a governor who would rule my people. In other words, someone from royalty. Someone who would be a king. And the wise man had, co had come. That's what they'd come. They'd come to Jerusalem. They, they'd come to, to Jerusalem. And in verse 2, it's just saying, where is he that is born? King of the Jews. And so it speaks, verse 6 speaks of a governor who would rule my people. And when Jesus reigns and rule, reigns and rules, it will be, at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then into the millennium for 1,000 years. Jesus, David will, be, David will be a king, David will be a prince, but Jesus, of course, is the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is the, he's the ruler for 1,000 years during the millennium. And then, of course, through all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. And, you know, this, this mighty God, this, this wonderful Jesus, uh, so many things, so many things were prophesied about his life. And they all came to pass concerning his first coming. And so we can believe that they will come to pass. Those prophetic words concerning his second coming will come to pass, concerning what will happen in the millennium as well. And so Jesus as king, Jesus as governor, Jesus as ruler. It will be fulfilled during the millennium. And it will be fulfilled. So, so when, when, Micah, when Micah prophesied of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, but also about the, the, the prophecy of him being king and him being ruler and governor, that will happen 
about the 700 years before Christ, the church age approximately 2,000 years. So Micah is prophesying what will happen 2,700, approximately 2,700 years after his prophecy is given. It will be fulfilled. The word of God is just so amazing, so amazing. Bethlehem, it means, it means the house of bread. And of course, we know one of the great I am's of the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, I am, I am the bread of life. John 6, verse 35. And, you know, God is, Jesus was broken bread. And he ministered the word of God to them so they would grow and develop. And God wants to work in each of our hearts to make us bread, broken bread, so that we can, we can feed others spiritually. We can bless others. We can feed others spiritually for the glory of God. These, these three men who came from the east, they came from the east, a long journey. In those times, it would have been some four months or something it would have taken them. And they were led by a star from the east. And they came to Jerusalem to seek the king, to seek the Messiah. They were truly wise men. They were wise men. And we know that God wants us to increase in wisdom. And God wants the wisdom of Jesus to be manifest in our lives. Speaking of Jesus, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and Christ the wisdom of God. So wisdom, true wisdom, it's, it's, in, it's in Christ. Colossians 2 and verse 3, again, Paul is speaking the, a similar truth. In whom are hid, in, in Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And they were wise men because they were seeking the one who was all wisdom, who knew everything about everything who was the one who together with the Father and the Holy Spirit created the heavens and the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says in Colossians 2, 3, 3 in, in whom, that's in Jesus, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's why we read, you know, Proverbs 4, 7. You know, wisdom, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all they're getting, get understanding. Another amazing verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 8 and verse 11. Wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired. Just think, anything you can imagine, anything you could imagine, anything you could think up, anything you could desire, the word of God tells us that it cannot be compared to wisdom. Wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it, to wisdom. 
Proverbs 2 verse 4, if you seek her, if you seek wisdom as silver, and you search for her as for hid treasures, and those wise men were very wise because they sought Jesus. And there's nothing greater we can do at this Christian Christmas season is to seek, to seek him, to seek Jesus. Those wise, they were wise. They were wise because they sought Jesus. We will be wise when we search for him and when we seek wisdom, who is Christ. Those wise men, basically, they, they had one focus, they had one desire, one goal, to seek after Christ. They'd come to pay homage to the king of the Jews. And in order to do that, just think of the cost that was involved. I mean, all the things that they planned during those four months, they'd had to put aside. And then they had to spend money and finance and, and everything to, to, to enable them to go on that journey for four months or so. In fact, by the time they got back again, it could have been twice that length. But they had one focus, one focus to seek Christ. And in order to do that, they were willing to sacrifice, they were willing to pay a cost, they were willing to lay aside many other things. And you know, at the Christmas season, many do... You know, many people do many, many good things. Nothing wrong with them. They're all fine. Often it's a time of, of partying. It's a time of giving gifts. It's a time of eating and drinking. It's a time, family time, time of relaxing. But the sad thing is, with the majority of people, you know, Christ is forgotten. Christ is forgotten. But by the grace of God, may we be those, like those wise men, who seek Jesus, who seek Jesus. They sought Jesus. These wise men from the east sought Jesus. And may we seek to meet the Lord in a, in, in a fresh way, in a new way, you know, this Christmas season. Those wise men, they had one goal, one goal, to seek Jesus. Psalm 27, verse 4, David, he had one goal. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Not only did those wise men seek Jesus, those wise men, they, they followed the star. And in verse 9, it says, And when they had shared, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, a star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, they were only going from, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. So in the natural, you know, a star could not have guided them just for six miles. But, so obviously it was supernatural. The star gave guidance and it led them to where Jesus was. 
But from this account, it's clear that the star was indeed a miraculous appearance of some celestial body or star came down from heaven very low, possibly, and just went so they could easily find the path or find the place. Uh, but it was a miraculous appearance of some kind of celestial heavenly body that, that cannot be equated with, with, with any other you know, constellation. Now, before modern technology, it was through the stars that the, the sailors on the ships that they would navigate the way across the ocean and so on, and, and that they could work, work out where they were. Um, and so even as the star you know, guided the wise men to the place where Jesus was, you know, God is wanting to, to guide, specifically to guide and to lead each one of us. And these sailors, and before modern times, they would, they, would, they would work out where they are, where they were in the ocean, and then they would, then they would know that for guidance to their, to, their, to their destination. And they'd look at one star and take a bearing, and then they'd focus on another star and take, take another bearing. And often they would take, you know, three three bearings from, from three stars. And then when the, the lines joined up, it was the loco location of, of where they were in the ocean, and then they could guide their path to where they, were, where they were going. Now, so not only did the wise, wise men follow the star to find Jesus, but it's also prophesied that Jesus is himself a star. And in fact, one of the there's many, many names of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of those names is given in Revelation 22 and verse 6, where Jesus is called, he's called the bright and the morning star. He's the bright and the morning star. And it speaks of that, Jesus as a star coming. Uh, prophetically, uh, in the Old Testament, if we go back to the, the time of, of Balaam, in Numbers 24. And in the scripture in Numbers 24, in verse seven, number 24 and verse 17, and this is, this is Balaam speaking, but he says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, I shall behold him, but not nigh. You know, Balaam, who, who turned the children of Israel, you know, away from the Lord, and who led them into, led them into sin. I mean, you know, God's, I mean, it, it, seems, it seems that he did repent, but it says there, it says there, I will see him, but not now. I'll behold him, but not nigh. He maybe saw the Lord, but from a, a distance afar off in heaven. He was certainly not close to the Lord in any way. But then he says, then shall come a star. And he's speaking prophetically of Jesus. A star out of Jacob and a scepter. And a scepter there speaks of royalty. It speaks of uh, a royal you know, insignia. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children 
of Sheath. And that happened, that, that will happen, that last part of that will happen at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when, when Christ will smoke Moab, or which basically is Jordan today. So a scepter will come forth, a scepter will come forth, a star will come forth. And so that star, of course, is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the Lord gave, the Lord gave a wonderful promise to Abraham uh, back in Genesis 22. And it's interesting, that again, about stars. And it's interesting the timing of when God gave this promise. And it was after, after Abraham's test regarding his son Isaac. And all the promises were laid up in, in Isaac, all the promises for the future. Everything depended on, on Isaac. And so God had shown him and taken him out and shown Abraham the stars of the sky. I mean, there were so many without, without number. And, and the Lord had said to him, you know, and the Lord said to him in, 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 in Genesis 22, after he, had, after he had been victorious in the, in the, in the test, and, and the test was, of course, that he was to take his only son, Isaac, and to slay him on the altar in Mount Moriah. And immediately, Abraham, even though everything, all the promises depended on Isaac, he, he heard God's voice, he obeyed God's voice, he went a three-day journey to Mount Moriah, and he, he, he got his son, and his son you know, must have yielded, because the son was no doubt stronger than, than Abraham at, at his age, and he put him on the altar, and was about to take his knife, and to kill Isaac, his son. And the voice of the Lord came to him, Abraham, Abraham. Of course, his son, Isaac, was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God had, we know the story, God had provided a, a ram in the thicket as a sacrifice, and Abraham got the ram, and, he, and the, the, that ram became the sacrifice that Abraham offered up unto the Lord. And after Abraham had passed the test, in other words, he'd put God first in his life. God was first before, before anything else in his life, even before his son, through which all the promises were going to come forth, come, come forth through. And the book of Hebrews tells us, in Hebrews 11, that you know Abraham believed that, that even if God, even if he had have killed his son, you know, Abraham believed that God was gonna, would have raised him from the dead again to, to fulfill his word and to fulfill his promises. But this amazing prophecy is given in, in Genesis 22 and verse, amazing scripture is given in Genesis 22 and verse 17. And this is after, straight after, immediately after, after Abraham had been tested and had come through victorious. And verse 17, God says to, to, to him, that in blessing, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed 
as the stars of the heaven. In blessing, I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thee. Multiply thy seed as the stars in the heaven. And the stars in the heaven, they're, they're innumerable. innumerable. It could no way, be no, no way be numbered. There's just so many of them. In fact, as, as scientists look into the universe and the Hubble telescope and others, and as they get further and further away and discover new stars and new constellations, new galaxies, they find that no matter how far they go, there's new galaxies, there's more and more and more. And, you know, our galaxy, we have the Milky Way. It's just one galaxy. But it's estimated there's at least 300, and conservatively, it is estimated there's over three, 350 plus galaxies, you know, in, in, in the universe. I mean, it's just absolutely unfathomable. You, you think in the, on Earth, there's about, there's, about, there's about 7 billion there's over seven billion people. But the number of, of, of stars, or well, the number of even, even galaxies, is over 350, more than 350 million. But, uh, yeah, more, hundred, more than 300, 350 billion uh, of these galaxies. And, and, and they're you know, continually discovering more and more. And so, they're without number, without number. I mean, the greatness of our God, the vastness of, of our God, the, his creation, this universe, it's just un unfathomable. It just goes on and on and on. And he says to, to Abraham, he says, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And I believe God is going to God is God is preparing us to do that. I mean, we look in the natural and you, we see a diminishing, we see a going down, and that is happening in you know quite a number of the Zion churches. But I believe God is going to turn the tide. And God is going to see, you know, a blessing and a, multi and a multiplying. And, you know, if we come, come hold firm, you know, and, and hold firm and keep pressing into God, God will turn things around. And, you know, blessing, multiplying, even as the, the, star, the stars of heaven, which are without number. And the Lord wants, you know, in our... So when we think of a star, you know, we also are likened unto stars. The Lord is likened to a star, but so are we. And the Lord wants to make us, each one of us, to be bright shining stars for him. And it's a process, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, obviously. But we want, God wants each of us to shine more and more for the, for the Lord. You see, stars, they emanate light. Uh, stars, they emanate light. And a star has the light within. You know, our sun, our sun is the, is the nearest of all stars. It is a star. It's the nearest of all stars. And just our sun is, you know, it's over 93 million miles away. 
It has a, its diameter is nearly one million miles, and it has a circumference of, of more than two and a half million miles, just around it. And the temperature of the sun on the, on the outside, it's about, it's about 6,000 degrees centigrade. That's about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. 10,000 degrees, I mean, that's hot. And that gives out, you know, tremendous light, tremendous light. And Jesus said, another one of the, the I am's of Jesus, John 8, 12. He, then, G, then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So Jesus was saying, he was saying, he was the light of the world. I am the light of the world. But he also says to the disciples, and he would say to each one of us here, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And that's why in the Sermon of the Mount, in Matthew 5 and verse 14, 14, 15, 16, Jesus says, he says, you, you are the light of the world. And he compares it to a city on a hill. It can't be hid. And he said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and gives light to all that are in the house. And then Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God's called each one of us that we would emanate light the light of Jesus through our lives. When the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians, he says to let their light shine. Let you, he exhorts them, let their light shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's what's happening to our generation and our day. It's getting more crooked. It's getting more per perverse. But what are we called to do in the midst of that? to let our light shine, to let our light shine. And one of the scriptures I, I, I love very much and has been mentioned many times from this pulpit is Isaiah 60 and verse 1 to 3, which we'll look at again now. And the wonderful thing about these verses is they describe the time in which we are living at right now, right now right now. And Psalms, Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. That's not in the millennium. It's not in eternity forever and ever. Because there's not gross darkness in the millennium or in eternity or in heaven. It has not the glory of God risen upon us. It has not happened. So we did not see it. Well, it has not happened, you know, in the church, in the church age. So the only time where that, those verses apply, basically, is at the end of the church age, which is where we are right now. The darkness is covering the earth. Gross darkness, terrible darkness is covering the people. 
But we're not to be despondent. We're not to be discouraged. We're not to be down. But we are to rejoice. We're to, 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 to receive from the Lord and believe that we are to arise and to shine and to let the, the glory of God, the glory of God, to be seen upon us. And then it says, And the Gentiles, the heathen, shall come to thy light. They shall come to thy light. The light. And I believe in, even in, a, in a, a sense, a spiritual way, it'll be true. But even in a literal way, we can expect that literal. Like the, the, the light, the glory was on Moses. The light, that glory, will be upon us. There'll be something, there'll be a radiance. There'll be something about our complexion, something about our faces that will radiate, you know, the glory, the glory of God in these times. The Gentiles shall come to thy light, kings to the brightness of thy rising. And then, and then lift up thine eyes around about, verse 4. And thy son's daughter shall come from afar. And, and then it speaks in verse 5 about the the abundance of the sea shall be converted, or the abundance of humanity, or it's speaking basically of a great harvest, great harvest of souls in these last days. And so in these verses, we see they shall come, they shall come to us from afar. And I believe God's going to bring in people here into this church from nearby, but also from afar. From, from different areas, east and north and east and south and west. Not only in this church, but in many, church, many, many churches. And, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is speaking about, he's speaking about the sun, he's speaking about the moon, he's speaking about the stars. And he says, verse 41, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another in glory. Often, the blacker the night, the darker the night, the more visible the stars are. And, you know, in the blackness of, 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 of sin and the darkness and evil that's overtaking the nations of the world, all the more, in contrast, the glory upon his people is going to shine and going to stand out. And, we, and even when you consider the stars, I mean, you look at the stars on a, on a dark night, there are some which are very bright. You know, I've been looking just, just after sunset, um, just after sunset in the, in the west, western sky, southwestern sky, fairly low down. You know, you see Venus is, 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 is shining very bright at present. And, you know, it's just so bright. It looks so close. Um, but so... You know, the, the, the stars, the stars which are very bright, and there's some stars you can, you can barely see them, very, very dim. And so one star differs from another in glory. And Christians, we're, we're like stars. You know, some are, some are dim, some are brighter, some are very bright. But may we shine, may each one of us shine brighter and brighter as we we meet the Lord in fresh ways. And that's why Daniel says, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, and he says, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And in the margin, it also says, 
Those that be teachers, teachers of righteousness, they shall be wise. It can also mean teachers or teachers of righteousness. They shall be wise, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And those that turn people to righteousness, they will shine as the stars forever and ever and ever. And so not only do, do stars emanate light, but stars, they have a course to keep. They have a course to keep. Jesus, who's the bright and the morning star, he kept, he kept his course. He went to the cross. He fulfilled the will of God for his life. The Apostle Paul could say at the end of his life that he'd finished his course in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. And by the grace of God, each one of us, we have a course. There's a destiny. There's a purpose for our lives. You know, will we shine for the Lord? Will we emanate the light of Jesus? Will we finish our course and be bright shining stars for the glory of God? You know, those wise men, they were wise because they sought Jesus. And they were wise. They followed the star. They followed the star. They worshipped the Lord. They presented their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And may we, by God's grace, be like them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, at this time we can remember especially your coming and that you were born in Bethlehem of Judea. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you you loved us so much that you were not only born, but you grew up and you ministered. And you took our sin upon yourself on the cross. And you rose again from the dead. And we thank you because you were obedient that we can have eternal life. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We're grateful that you came. We thank you. We can remember your coming at this Christmas time. And Lord, we pray, Lord, like those wise men, we would be wise. We would seek after you with all our hearts, even in new ways, fresh ways. Lord, we pray, let the light of Jesus shine through our lives. Help us to live for you. Help us to be like bright shining stars for your honour and for your glory. See all these words in each heart. In Jesus' name, amen.